Hello and welcome to Contact High. Today's Shabbat replay is from our April 1st Saturday morning service, but as you can hear, the davening team wasn't fooling around. <laughs> anyway, this was our final Shabbat before Passover, and since there won't be a Mishkan service this week, Rabbi Stephen left us with some words of wisdom on the spiritual and practical dimensions of koshering your kitchen for Passover. And while we won't see you at services this weekend, we would love to have you at our third annual virtual Seder. This Thursday, April 6th, the second night of Passover, you are invited to From Me to We, a Passover celebration all about the varied identities, backgrounds, and ideas we bring to our Judaism. There's a link in the show notes. Also, this Sunday, April 9th at 10.30 a.m. Central, we invite you to a virtual panel on the pro-democracy uprising in Israel. Organized and hosted by two Mishkan builders, this event will help you understand the proposed judicial reform in Israel, the evolution of the protest movement, Palestinian-related issues, and how we can support the movement. We hope to see you there. Now, take it away, Rabbi. So I was chatting to a friend this weekend um, about my plans for the next couple days, which I imagine for myself and for many of us involves setting aside a little bit of time to get ready for Passover. And when I was describing the slow turnover of my kitchen and getting rid of or storing anything that contains chametz, that leavened stuff that comes from either wheat or barley or spelt or oats or rye, which we are going to avoid for the eight days of Passover, he said, this sounds like a perfect time for some spring cleaning. And it is a good time for spring cleaning. I imagine that I am not the only one in this room who uses the preparation for Passover to uh, check the like expiration dates on all the things that like spices have expiration dates apparently people things I learn every year to actually like take things off of my shelves and clean them uh, and to finally part with like those purchases that I thought were a good idea like like a scone mix that has been sitting there forever when I was walking down the aisles of the store I'm like I am totally gonna bake scones one day. <laughs> I have not baked the scones. It's, it's still there, and it's got to go. So whether we are going to spend hours scrubbing our kitchens or even just do a quick pass around our living room with a vacuum, the symbolic conclusion for our search for hamates is conducted traditionally with a feather, a spoon, and a candle. Now, the rabbis teach that we use this small ephemeral light of the candle, even if the moon is full. Even if the sun is shining, even though time and technology have given us better and more efficient ways of illuminating our homes. And this insistence on tradition, I believe, contains a valuable and a really important message. So just as we use this small light of the candle to find the chametz in our homes, so too we use the light of our soul, that small ephemeral light, to find the chametz within each of us. As the Torah teaches, Ner Hashem Nishmat Adam Chofes Kol Chadrevaten, the soul of every person is like a candle revealing our innermost parts. And so perhaps this is our task 
these 24, 26 hours of Shabbat, a time when we take a break from work, including the work, the physical labor of scrubbing and cleaning and searching for chametz, to turn our focus from the external preparation for Passover and look inward, probing those forgotten nooks and crannies of our hearts. So what is the chametz that we might find within ourselves? So the altar Rebbe teaches that chametz represents all the ways that we have become absorbed in our own needs and desires. Just as leavened dough fills the bowl where it has been left to proof, the fact that any fan of like Great British Bake Off knows now, right? We know what proofing is, yeah. Just like the leavened dough fills the bowl when it's left to proof, our bloated egos can take up all the room in our hearts, leaving little space for concerns beyond ourselves. Matzah, by contrast, is likened to selflessness, a flattening of the ego, the ability to reserve space in our hearts for other people and for the experience of the divine. There are many ways that this chametz might accumulate within us, but like bread or muffins or cake, none of these self-absorbed tendencies are inherently bad. Caring for ourselves, concern for ourselves, is a vital and necessary part of surviving a world that is not always at its best. There are good reasons to be afraid of the dangers that exist outside of our doors. Loss and heartbreak necessitate focusing on our own needs for a time, taking a moment to celebrate our accomplishments, to treat ourselves to something a little special can be a profound act of gratitude. The problem lies when self-care becomes a habit of only caring about yourself. Where fear has kept us from endangering our lives and our livelihoods, it can also become the foundation for distrust, for insularity, and even for hate. Time spent healing our own wounds can sometimes lead to the belief that our pain is more acute and more urgent and more important than that of those around us. And we have seen how indulgence, when left unchecked, can create a society compromised by inequality, where those who have much refuse to share the abundance of this world with those who have very little. So if we are to truly prepare for Passover, we need to clean out more than our cupboards and closets. This is the moment to examine the clutter within our own hearts. Where have habits of caution, of care, and of celebration of the self become leavening agents for the ego that has left little room for much else? Which of these tendencies no longer serve us, leaving useless crumbs in the nooks and crannies of our soul that prevent us from becoming the very best expression of who we're meant to be? What can we clear away so that there is space within us that allows that flickering flame to shine just a little brighter? So our parasha, this Shabbat, which Lucy read so beautifully, begins with a description of the priestly chores related to offering sacrifices at the Mishkan, that gathering space of the Israelites as they wander through the wilderness. After the evening sacrifice has been left to burn through the entire night, the priest on duty gets up early the next morning to clear away the ash that has accumulated over the previous day. He stokes those fading embers of that ash tamid, that eternal flame, and adds more wood to feed it. Then the morning sacrifices, only then the morning sacrifices can proceed to ensure 
that the Aish Tamid continues to burn, the priest has to clear away the residue of prior sacrifices. Too much ash in the fire would suffocate, preventing the priest from accomplishing the sacred task. We no longer look after the fire that burned for our ancestors, yet we are responsible for tending the light of our own soul, allowing it to become the candle that illuminates those forgotten corners of our hearts so that we may identify those bloated and puffed up leavened parts of our ego that prevent us from meeting the ethical demands of our tradition. This is, after all, the true aim of Passover. This holiday is not simply about remembering the past. It is an expression of how we meet this present moment. Like the priests at the Mishkan, each of us has also been given a sacred purpose. On Wednesday, we are going to read from the Haggadah, Avadim Hainu Lefarobimitz Raim. We were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt. Slaves. One could argue that we should respond to this memory of enslavement by turning inward, by prioritizing our own needs and desires when the world has shown time and again such little concern for our own humanity. The political theorist Michael Walzer once wrote that wherever we are, wherever you are right now, it's probably Egypt, not liberation. And looking around us at the uptick in anti-Semitism, at the hatred directed towards trans and gender non-conforming folks, at book bans and the stifling of education in this country, at a world quite literally on fire. This probably feels more true this year than in years past. Yet we recall this history of enslavement, of subjugation and violence precisely to turn our focus outward. The Torah reminds us, you know the soul of the stranger because you have also been strangers. Through ritual and food and liturgy, we reenact the moment that our people experience that transition from slavery to freedom. We do not remember this story to become absorbed in our own self-preservation. Instead, the residual pain of the past calls us toward every place where brokenness persists today and demands that we create space within our own hearts for the people we might find there. But if we're to have the capacity to meet the empathic call of this holiday, we need to do a little bit of spring cleaning. So let's take a moment to forget about the to-do list of Passover. It is Shabbat after all. And just take this next day to conduct an earnest search of the heart, finding those crumbs of spiritual and emotional chametz that no longer need to occupy space within you, even if they had a purpose at some point in time. What fears no longer protect you? What pain is it time to let go of? Where have you indulged your ego just a little bit too much? May each of us find room within our hearts that we can be filled anew with the words and lessons of this season. Shabbat Shalom. Chag Kashavah May the peace of Shabbat lead to a meaningful and joy-filled Passover. Shabbat Replay is a production of Mishkan Chicago. Our theme music was composed and performed by Kalman Strauss. You can always see where and when our next service will be on our calendar. There's a link in the show notes. And if you appreciated the program, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. I know you've heard it before, but it really does help. On behalf of Team Mishkan, thank you for listening. <laughs>